What's up, everybody? Sultan of Strangles here, and today I am going to be interviewing two instructors from the school Spectrum Jiu-Jitsu. I actually visited them October of 2021 to TJ Leglock seminar, and I noticed they were purple belts, and these guys run a very, very successful Jiu-Jitsu gym in an area that's not too populated, pretty much kind of middle of nowhere, West Virginia, and the classes were packed. Tons of students, so I was extremely impressed. I just started my kids program at Immortals Jiu-Jitsu, and I need all the help I could get. So whenever you want to get good at something, what you do, you look at who's already good at it, and you ask for advice. And I thought, why just do a phone call when I could do a podcast, and if you're a gym owner, maybe you could listen, and you could enjoy as well. All right, so I hope you enjoy the episode, but before, before we start the episode, you know what to do. Go to my Instagram at K-O-O-L-R-A-K, at Immortals Jiu-Jitsu, at Rambling with Rack. Give me a follow on all three of those. Please, on whatever podcast platform you are listening, give it a share. Give it a share on your social media, and let's help this podcast grow. If you told me two years ago that I would have a podcast with 15,000 listens, I would think you're crazy, but here we are today. All right, guys, thanks for sticking with me through good times and bad, and I hope you guys enjoy the episode. My name is Raymond Miller, uh-huh. and I'm Seth Miller. Awesome. All right, sounds good. You guys ready? Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. What's up, everybody? Sultan of Strangles here, and I am here with Raymond and Seth Miller. Very similar story to mine. Opening a gym as Purple Belts, making the gym super successful, and I had the honor of teaching a seminar there around this time last year, and it was a blast. Now, what was really fascinating and what I was very impressed by was how big the kids' program was. So that's going to be the focus of today's episode. Guys, please introduce yourselves. Amazing to have you on the show. Yeah, what's going on, Mike? I am Raymond Miller. And I'm Seth. Uh, pleasure pleasure being here, man. It's uh, it's an honor. Yeah. Appreciate you uh, talking to us. Absolutely. Yeah, we're brothers in case... In case you, everyone didn't pick that up, but uh, we own Spectrum Jiu-Jitsu in Kearneysville, West Virginia. Um, you know, I'm super ple- pleasure to be here. And like Mike was saying, you know, we had him out for a seminar and we had a blast meeting with him. And um, Mike, I wanted to congratulate you on all your successes recently. You know, with like I saw you got your new location for the gym. That's fantastic. And, you know, I was following you on Who's Next and stuff. And you're, you're rocking it, bud. I appreciate that, man. Um it's cool. You know, when I first came to your to your school, I found that you guys have a really cool backstory. I don't remember what it was exactly, but it's it was something like you guys born and raised in New York City 
and then you yeah. decided to move to West Virginia to open a gym, something like you, that, yeah, downtown, you wanna... like near near Rockville, Maryland, actually. Uh, uh-huh. so it's a bigger city than where we are right now, for sure. Uh, nothing like New York, though. But we your parents here. are from New York, right? Aren't your parents from like the Upper West Side? Yeah, our mom lived in New York for a while. She actually danced for uh, American Ballet uh, up wow. in New York. But our aunt, our aunt currently lives up in the Upper West Side. Yeah. Got it. Okay, okay. And then what made her move to, to you know, Virginia, West Virginia? Uh, just to take care of our grandparents. Uh, they were getting on in age. And that was around the time I was going into high school. I think Ray was in, like, third grade or something like I that. I was, yeah. Um, and it was a lot less developed out here back then. Yeah. Um, Ray and I ended up eventually going into education. Um, so we both studied at Shepherd University to become teachers. Uh, I ended up uh, teaching for about seven years in the public school system. Okay. Um, and my brother, fortunately, was able to dodge that right out of college. We, we had been studying various martial arts and decided that we would like to take our teaching skills and do something that we both enjoyed with it. That's so cool. Um, I currently, um, the guy running my kids program is also a teacher. Awesome. And I'm very sensitive about teaching kids, which is why I don't teach kids. Um, I feel like, you know, I grew up having a lot of coaches that were very underqualified. Mm. It was pretty much like some sophomore in college that kind of played lacrosse was our lacrosse coach. Our football coach was like a was like a legit psychopath. So I'm like, I am not (laughs) if I'm going to have a kids program, it's got to be a professional that is, you know, that's that's what they do that's their business and they have the qualifications and um it's pretty cool that both of you have the teaching background it's both of you right both of you went to school for teaching yes we both have degrees in education and and i do think that that is probably one of the biggest things is is making sure that if you are you know setting up a kids program is is having someone who has experience working with kids you know um you know has the background in education or something like that so that's what what grade did you teach uh, well, I taught fourth grade for about three and a half years, and then I taught fifth grade STEM for three and a half years. So that's just science, technology stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, Ray. Uh, got I was out just of, a sub. Yeah, he got school, out. Of, he yeah. got out of college and then subbed for a while while we were first opening the academy. Yeah. Um, just to so. sub- subsidize things because you know it takes a little while for things to take off. Yeah, doing both was uh, doing both was hard, man. Wild, Waking up in right? the morning, subbing, and then coming to. The academy to teach and train yeah there was a while there that i was doing my my 40 hours of teaching and then coming to the academy and, and doing it here as well yeah you know, that was definitely tough were you burnt out at the end of the day uh for sure yeah ray was able to get more training in than i was during those days um mm-hmm. and it took i'd say about a year and a half two years maybe um so we could uh you know start committing more time to training and not uh the secondary job interesting um, so, you know, as a purple belt opening up a gym, when I did it, I got a lot of pushback. Hey, you shouldn't open a gym. If you're a purple belt, you need to be a black belt. It's not going to be successful. And I just said, just, just sit, sit back and watch, buddy. And, you know, I built a pretty successful program. And when I came to your school, it was freaking packed. Thanks, so um, you guys are doing something right. What type of did you receive any pushback opening up the gym as purple belts? And what was it like starting? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So, yeah, we got some stories. We um, here. So we've, we've only been a, you know, specifically jujitsu academy for probably three years. Um, 
prior to that, we were just like an MMA school. So uh-huh. you know, we, we didn't we didn't have like branding that said jujitsu. We didn't proclaim to do jujitsu because we were not actually belted in jujitsu at that time. Um, mm. So we actually did have uh, an individual come in and dojo storm us and come in and, and like try to record video and like put it up on social media and like live stream wow. the class and she uh she like rolled with us at the end and was trying to like out us and stuff oh it was a she yeah yeah and oh. so we were just trying to kill her with kindness man and just kind of you know because because we were up very upfront. we were like listen we we're not saying that we're jiu-jitsu school you know this we're just an mma school we're just you know we're out here to just teach and have fun and and so she was Man, it, it was wild. And that's a, a very long story. And, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the oh, day. Oh, that's why, that's why we're here, man. I'm yeah, yeah, we yeah. Want, we want to hear the juicy details, man. What happened? Dude, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. So this is during a morning class. So, uh-huh. um, you know, th- this was probably, ironically, probably like the biggest morning class that we had had up until that point. Um, at what was time probably, was this class? Uh, this was, I think, 9 o'clock, maybe, 9 a.m. Yeah, oh, I, wow. I wasn't there for that class. Yeah. Actually. And so I was, I was teaching the class, and we had you know, probably like eight people in the class. Um, I I remember when I saw this individual walking up the ramp that leads to our front door, as soon as I saw their gait and the way that they carried themselves, I instantly knew I was like, oh, this person trains for sure. Uh, And so they they walk in and the second they walk in, they boom make eye contact with me and they go, are you the owner? And I say, yes, ma'am. My name's Ray Miller. Nice to meet you. And she goes, I want to roll with you right now. And I look at her and I say, well, I have a class to teach, so you're welcome to join us and, and do some training. And, you know, and she reluctantly takes the class. And, of course, I make her, you know, do a liability form. Um, funny enough, on the liability form, she wrote her name, and that's it. And then for her age, I don't know if she was trying to be funny, but for her age, she wrote four, and, which <laughs> wow. was very appropriate given the way that she was acting. But anyway, so she, you know, she kind of awkwardly stands in the back of the class like video recording the stuff that we're teaching. And we're doing a little bit of everything. We're doing some striking on the bags. We're doing, uh, you know, some, some submission grappling stuff. She's recording this and like snickering to herself. And, uh, you know, obviously all my students are super uncomfortable during this. So the, uh, the end of the class comes around. And so she again comes up to me. And she, oh, this is a no-gi class, by the way. So she comes up to me and she again goes, all right, it's time to roll, you and me. So she whips out her cell phone. She puts it up on the windowsill and starts live streaming. Oh my God! And I was like, "All right, how big? How big is this girl?" Now, you, now just no, you're good. We were we were Spectrum Martial Arts Academy back then. We were yeah, not yeah. Spectrum Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, um, yeah. So we had we had a, a different name, different identity. We taught different things, um, and so she had some kind of misunderstanding coming into this that she wanted to take out on my brother. I <laughs> I, I, I didn't get there till later. But yeah, I heard about all this. Um, <laughs> so she to answer your question, Mike, she was very small. Um, I, again, I'm not sure, you know, where she even heard about us, but she wants to roll. And so of course I, um, I had just recently gotten some cauliflower ear removed. And so I was like, Hey, okay, no worries. Like I was getting my headgear and she literally, she looks at me and she goes, what are you? Some kind of pussy. And I oh go, my God. and I go, no, I just, I want to protect my ears. I just got my cauliflower removed. And so she then goes on to uh, critique my Nogi apparel. Um, and Mike, I was wearing a long sleeve rash guard, shorts, and spats underneath. And she uh-huh. was talking about, she was like, you're, you're not even sponsored by inverted gear. Like, why are you wearing their stuff? And I was like, whoa, like, what? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what the problem is here. Anyway, so we start rolling and 
Mike, nothing happens during the roll. Like she's just playing bottom the whole time. I'm playing top. Um, like I, I pass her guard a couple times, but I'm not, I'm, I'm much bigger than her. So I'm not trying to, to do anything crazy. The, the round ends and she, she looks at me and she goes, wait, you guys only, you're only rolling for five minutes? At my academy, we do 10 minute rounds. Oh and I was like, God. I was like, listen, I'm not, I don't really know what you want. I mean, we, you know, we rolled together and, and, you know, it's about time that we start to head out. So, you know, at this point, Seth pulls up and like, there's, there's one student still, it's kind of sitting in the lobby watching all this. And, and uh, thankfully he still trains with us. He's a super cool guy. His name's uh -huh. Ray. Uh, coincidentally, same name as me. Uh -huh. But um, Seth pulls up and when Seth walks in the door, she turns to him shooting daggers out of her eyes and she just beelines it towards Seth. And she starts cussing at him being like, you know, you're the other owner, blah, blah, blah. And so she was talking about how like, if a, if a, if a real Brazilian were to come in here, they would put us in an arm bar and they wouldn't respect our tap. And I looked at her and I said, well, that would be assault. And <laughs> oh that would not, not be great. <laughs> and so, yeah, she, I came into this just smiling. Cause I was like, <laughs> oh, cool. A new student. All right. Let's, you know, let's schmooze a bit. Like, that's awesome. Like, yeah. Trying to be, you know, and then professional. That, I just and... was completely cut off guard. I didn't even look at Ray's facial expression when I was walking in. Dude, the, the funniest part though, Mike, she had a bag, right? She had a bag where she had her uh, equipment in. And I swear to God, she was sitting there uh, recording a video of her yelling at us. And then she takes her bag, slams it down on the desk and starts pulling out grappling medals and being like, and this is my medal from this tournament. And this was the medal for the fastest submission. And this is yeah, She's like, you want to see what jujitsu is? This is real jujitsu. She just held up like a clone oh, of local wow. medals. <laughs> and so we were like, listen, you know, we're, we're not interested in, in you, know, uh, you know, training with you. So we, we appreciate you for coming in. But, you know, we're, 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 we're happy to continue the way we are. You know, we have a ha very happy student yeah. body and things like that. She, she kind of just basically accused us of pretending to be black belts. And it was kind of funny because we had, Ray and I had been watching um, like Dojo Storm videos like a week before, yeah, because oh it was God. it was interesting and funny, and and she was almost <laughs> verbatim repeating everything the dude in that video said. Really, like, wow, this seems really familiar. I, I think she's trying to like recapture the magic of that, yeah. that viral video there. Um, so fast forwarding a little bit, the my friend, our student Ray, who was uh, hanging out, he contacts his brother, who was a black belt. Support for Rambling with Rack is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off free worldwide shipping with the code RAKRACK at manscaped.com. And if my math's correct, that's about 8 million balls. Guys, Manscaped has truly changed my life. Y'all know Middle Eastern men. We got some serious, dense forestry down there. I have tried everything. I've tried the over-the-counter buzzers. I have tried straight razors. I have tried regular razors. And nothing has made Manscaping easier than Manscaped. All right, guys, so the Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped has arrived, and oh man, is it a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, 
Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag to Hold Your Goodies. Guys, the ball deodorant, all right? Let's say you're on your last set of leg press at the gym and your girl hits you up, says, what are you doing? You don't have time to take a shower. You just take a quick little um, whiff of that ball deodorant, wipe down there and head over to her house. First off, the Lawnmower 4.0, the trimmer is a future of grooming and dare I say the greatest ball trimmer ever. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is a waterproof and also has 400K LED spotlight you need for more precise shaves. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. Guys, as an Iranian man, I could attest to you that when using a regular buzzer, uh, if you go to my bathroom floor, it literally looks like you just entered the Amazon rainforest. So having the trimmer right now has made my job so much easier. You thought that was good. Want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Trimmer. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I say this, fellas. Your balls will thank you. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping worldwide with code word RAK, R-A-K. Get 20% off free shipping with the code R-A-K at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with code word R-A-K. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Maryland, his brother knows her coach. And her coach, who unfortunately has, has passed away, um, he personally who reached was out this? to me. I'm sorry? Who, who, what school, what coach? You know what? I don't remember the name of the school, but the uh, the gentleman's name was Dave Jacobs. His uh-huh. Dave the Rock Jacobs, I think, uh-huh. was his was his name. Um, really great guy. So he reached out to me personally, and uh, yeah, he was super cool. About yeah, it. yeah. So he was like, "Hey, I, I I heard about a situation this morning. One of my students came in and did this. He was like, I really I wanted to apologize. I hope this is not a representation of me and my students." He said that he was like, "I I know you can agree, but like sometimes I feel like we're dealing with kindergartners." And I, and I said to him, I was like, listen, man, I, I don't need you to apologize to me, right? I, I need, I, I just want her to apologize to my students because she completely ruined our morning class and she came in and, you know, did all this and that. So fast forward to the evening class, um, we're finishing it up and guess who walks in the door? No way, no the way. Same, the same girl from the morning class. So she walks in, she sits down on the bench right in front of our office. I don't, I don't know if you remember the, you do, know, that, that little bench, yeah. And so she sits down on the bench and the class ends. And so I start walking over to her. Mike, she stands up and she goes, opens her arms wide. She goes, hey, man. She comes up, she gives me a big hug. She goes, I wanted to apologize to you about this morning. I felt like I was, I was totally in the wrong. 
um, I, <laughs> I don't know where, like, she had this weird example. She was like, I was playing basketball afterwards and I had some people yelling at me and, and I felt like I was doing the same thing to you guys and I wanted to come and apologize. Holy shit. And so obviously her coach railed her out and was like yelling at her and, and probably told her to go and do this. But, you know, she said all that and I was like, okay, I appreciate you saying that. I was like, I'd appreciate it if you could apologize to the students who were in the class because there were some st similar students there. And she was like, of course. She said, hey, I, I would love to come and train with you guys. You know, you guys have an awesome academy. Like, you guys have such a great thing going here. This is great for the community. I'd love to train with you guys. And we were like, mm, no, thank you, though. We, we appreciate you coming back. But, you know, we're not really interested in training with you. And, uh, yeah, man, that was kind of our – that was our Dojo Storm story. Oh, like, my <laughs> – you think she was mentally ill? I don't know. I, I don't think she was. No, um, I don't. I don't think so. I think she just was kind of wrapped up in the passion of jujitsu. Yeah, she just got her purple kinda, belt. Yeah, kind of wanted to. I don't know. I, Ray and I have a bad habit of giving everyone the benefit of the doubt and being like a little bit too nice. <laughs> so yeah. like, I don't know. But you know, we we I think we handled it as well as we could have. But um, she was. I mean, she was. Dude, she was crazy in the morning class. Like you didn't see it, Seth. Like because she was. Oh no, I. I she I was cussing at me during the class and there were kids there like it was not a kids class but there was a, a parent and there was a mother with her child there and the child was sitting on the couch and at a certain point the mother had to stand up and she had to be like hey excuse me i have a i have a child here and the lady goes oh shit i'm sorry i didn't know <laughs> oh shit i'm sorry i didn't know Great. You come, to, come to find out she uh um is no longer in the area she she's now moved on and um you know, every so often, my, our, our student, Ray, you know, I'll look at him and be like, hey, man, you know, we'll, we'll say your name and be like, I'm going to have her come and beat you up. You better watch out. Oh and <laughs> you got to, after the show's done, you guys got to let me know her name. I want to look her up. For yeah. sure, man. For sure. Yeah. I, um, I, had, a, I had a similar story with, really? this, guy, with this guy who, uh, who, who, who called me. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm at this gym right now. And he told me the name and he's like, I tap everybody out. So I'm really looking for a tougher environment. Oh. I've won. I've won all the tournaments. I've won new, new wave. And I'm like, new wave. <laughs> like, do you mean yeah. new, new breed? He's like, Oh yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. New breed. yeah that's the one. Yeah. So, so he comes in and he's up like my day one white belts. Um, oh. And um, at that point, I just had to roll with him. I don't really believe in mat enforcement, like tapping people out. Mm. But I do believe in just, you know, someone's getting a little too rowdy. You control them and just let them know they need to calm down. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so some I'm, sort of dominance. Yeah. So, of course, I put him in the camel crusher. Hell yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and he starts freaking out. And I'm like, are, are you good, buddy? Are you good? doesn't respond he doesn't want to tap are you good buddy and he finally just calmed down and he and i'm like hey you were going a little rough with those guys like i'm so sorry blah 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 and um you guys are really good i got humbled blah blah, blah. and then he never ever came back i mm -hmm. called the other gyms that he claimed to have trained at i'm like hey this guy came here tonight do you know him? He's like nope he's never trained here ever really interesting <laughs> There's yeah, so many wild. crazy people out there. I, honestly, man, it's insane. Yeah, so well, needless, uh, needless to say, our, our little adventure kind of caused us to be like, yeah, you, you know what? Why don't we just go straight into just jujitsu? Because it's the part that we enjoy the most. 
it clearly has a passionate following. It, it, it you know, it, it is what's going to give us higher legitimacy and uh, is going to be better for our kids program. So that's what we really started uh, pursuing jujitsu. So what was, uh, what, uh, when you opened up the MMA school, how much martial arts training had you had at that point? Um, so I, what, I mean, I know, how bet, old were you? I was 14 when I started. I was 19. And then we, we I'd say about seven years. Uh, seven of seven what, what type what type of martial arts it was like a generic like traditional mixed martial art type of thing it was it, it was a style that kind of incorporated a bunch of different stuff all together it, it was we did a lot of striking that was kind of our big thing nice. was um, more of the striking stuff but so we did it wasn't like a program with like ranks and stuff you kind of just came in and trained uh yeah so we actually for the kids we did have ranks as well oh no um, i mean for, for your personal training before opening the gym Oh, oh, no, yeah, he had a ranking system. Yeah, there. correct. It, it was a belting system, like a traditional martial art would have. Oh, okay, okay. Um, he, he just incorporated, like, Taekwondo, Hapkido-style stuff along with submission grappling. Um, so we had a little bit of taste of everything. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, yeah. And was it, like, did he have a name for the martial art, or was it under a different type of martial art? Yeah, he well, he basically just called it Harmony of Martial Arts. Okay, um, interesting. It, it was a Korean, so yeah. the, the name was in Korean, though. Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah, it was just like a like a mixed style thing. Because I trained yeah. on at this school, um, you know, it was Taekwondo, but there was throws and takedowns, and yep. he yeah, just called it applied time. applied Taekwondo, but in reality, it was kind of more of an MMA program. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what we're talking about. And so, what we were when we were first envisioning opening up the academy, we were actually going to be opening up a school under that affiliation. And uh, we, we approached him with like some different things and ideas that we had about doing stuff a little differently. And he basically looked at us and he was like, yeah, I'm not interested in that, but you guys can do your own thing if you want. And so we were oh, like, wow. You're like, yeah. I bet. Let's we'll do, do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can do your own thing if you want. Yeah. Yeah. So not, not long after our uh, morning encounter there, um, a jujitsu black belt came by and offered to do some classes and uh, offered to evaluate us and, and, that's when we started our own ranking progress. Was it the always be choking LLC? No, this was actually before Josh came. Uh, oh, Josh okay. is our Josh is our current head black belt of the academy. Josh Alberson, who okay. owns always be choking. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is the black belt before that. Oh, interesting. So you you're only you've been under Brian Marvin recently. This was so, under someone else before. Yes, correct. Okay, yeah, okay, we've been okay. under Brian since 2021. The end of 2021. Oh, okay. Cool. 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 So this was actually right around the time I visited you guys. Yeah. I think like right after we got the affiliation was when you came. Yeah. That's so cool. That's amazing. Yeah, I, you're, you're the very first seminar we've ever had at the Academy. Did you know that? <laughs> That's awesome. I appreciate yeah, man. that. Such I had a so sick much seminar. fun. I had so much fun, man. West Virginia is such a cool place. Oh, dude. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> we need to have you back, Mike. Hell yeah. yeah this, this area actually is ridiculously good uh for for our type of business right now for really? a couple of reasons yeah uh it's close to the uh, dc metropolitan area so there's okay. a lot of commuters um in this area you would when you think of west virginia you think of like country back roads and that's what like i that. thought yeah yeah but there's actually uh like we're pretty close to one of the richest counties in the in the country we're in the eastern panhandle yeah so that's we're in the good. eastern panhandle so you know we we actually have a pretty decent um, growth rate here for population. Mm -hmm. um, and, and another aspect of it is um, there's just like 
not a lot to do nightlife wise around here. So uh, I think that people are just like looking for something to do and, and jujitsu fits that bill, yeah. man. It's the healthiest thing you can do at night. That's so cool. So how far are you from like the major cities? I mean, I'd say DC is the closest major city. Yeah. That's about an hour and a half. Hour and a half. And people commute to DC from that area? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. They'll, oh, take, wow. they'll take the metro. So there's like a probably a 40 minute drive to the nearest metro station. There's okay. also an Amtrak nearby and stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah. So that's that's wild. And um, when you first started, what was it like building that program up? Um, let's focus more on the kids program for this mm-hmm. part, because yeah. oh, you yeah, know, yeah. that's that's kind of what I've been focusing on lately. Um, you know, as as an academy owner, you guys know very well, it's pretty much <laughs> much of it is a sales job. Right. Would you agree? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and with the adults. It's like, oh, did you like it? I loved it. You feel like this is going to get you to your goals? Definitely. All right. Can I get your license and your card? Ah, I left my wallet in my car. <laughs> I got to think about it. I got to talk to my wife. Talk yeah. to my But I noticed <laughs> when I started the kids program. So what did you think? that I'm in. I'm like, yep. oh, wow. That was, that was easy. And I'm like, oh, wow. This is with every parent. It's so Jeez. easy to sell them. Yes, that that is that is not too difficult. However, the retention is the hard part. The retention. Okay, so I'm too early in the game to even know about this. So, what do you mean when you say retention is the hard part? Well, uh, you know, different different kids programs are run different ways. I can really mm-hmm. only talk with detail about what Ray and I have done. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, kids lose interest in things. They you know want to try other sports. They want to just not go in because they're tired from school and and being able to create a program that draws kids in, but also keeps them engaged and improves them um, without just being a playground is a, is a tough balancing act. And it's yeah. something we're always trying to strive for. Interesting. Um, so what, one, one thing I've, one thing I've, one thing I've noticed that, um, uh, with adults, with the adults program, my competition are surrounding jujitsu gyms, surrounding mm-hmm. gyms. Mm-hmm. My competition for the kids are basketball, soccer, gymnastics, swimming. You know, I got to convince the parents, hey, this is better than all those other activities. Right. Yeah. So it's a whole different ball game, and it's like a very big learning process for me. I think a lot, like, yeah, that is a, a- – an obstacle that we've run into, I, th- I think, mm-hmm. on the East Coast, jujitsu is not as much of a uh, an established installation of culture. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so the expectation is that athletic kids will do sports. Yes, so, uh, especially in the beginning, uh, before you build a reputation for your school, you're going to get the, you know, for lack of a better term, and I can say this because I I, I am a nerdy kid. You get the nerdy kids. You get the kids who are you know weak, not naturally athletic, who are you know maybe have behavioral problems at school. You get the kids who are not going to be the number one athlete right out the gate. And that's up to us to build them up to that point. That's what, that's what a few gym owners have told me as well. They said the studs, the freak athletes, they're playing basketball, football, etc. Yeah. Cause their parents want them to be in the NFL or whatever. Yeah. And then the kids that are kind of left over, like, you know what? Let's put them in jujitsu. So, and that's, you know, 
it's just as good for us because you know we can we can relate to that. Ray and I were inspired to start martial arts because of video games. Like I'm sure a lot of people are inspired to do that. We were what video game? Uh, Metal Gear Solid. Okay, <laughs> one of my favorite games. What yeah, else? Metal Gear Solid Three specifically. We thought the CQC stuff was really cool. Okay, what else? Um, but you know, retention is is going to be a problem regardless of if if they have a sports schedule to follow. And we do have students that still take a you know a month or two off to do their basketball season or, or whatnot, mm. um, which is why we allow account freezing and stuff like that because we want people to feel like they're staying because they want to, not because they have to. And I think one of the, you know, there's a lot of parents who actually I find now are trying to build their kids' soccer schedule around their jujitsu schedule. Right. That's, That's cool. The goal. That's yeah. the goal. We're trying to create a culture around here. Right, because when we first opened, there were no other jujitsu schools, right? So people were coming in and they were like, you know, I want to get really into karate classes. And we were like, okay, well, this is a little bit different. And uh -huh. you know, trying to make sure people understood that this is a little bit more intense and hands-on than you know karate or taekwondo um and so yeah kind of creating that culture and community um which i feel like it's it's grown a lot in the seven years we've been open um wow. you know there's now several other schools and there's you know people moving it's on ridiculous. to compete there's like there's like three schools in this town and i i'm pretty sure kernesville has a population of less than five thousand. Wow. and there's three schools here so there, I, I, can, I can tell you for a fact, I'm not going to go into details. I can tell you for a fact they're here because they saw our success. <laughs> because this is a good area. It's right in between fairly large cities. It's a good area to have a school at. But if I See, were them, I don't think I would have opened right up next to another school that's already being successful. It's just a matter of integrity because people do the same. People did the same thing to me. Right. They're like, they're like, hey, here's this guy. Um, he does jujitsu. He competes a lot. He's real outlandish. He's kind of crazy. Uh, I'm just going to completely steal his gimmick. So they'll like do the same type of videos, do the same type of, and then they just end up being like a fake version of me instead of them. And then they end up not being themselves or me. They kind of being, end up being like this person that's just not a real human being. I mean, so a lot of the imitation is the sincerest form of flattery or something. Yes, like yes, yes. It's, it, it's really, our, um, what's up? Our, our, our formula is kind of hard to imitate. Um, we, we have, as you said before, we have like a pretty big kids program. And part of the only reason that's tenable for us is because both my brother and I are full fledged coaching every single cat class. Yeah. Um, it, it's going to be hard to, to match that one of the biggest growing pains we had initially that was one of our main goals um, for our kids program was to get the age groups separated. That's, that's, that's my, that's my problem right now. So it, it's, we, we want to do age four to eight, but, mm -hmm. but uh, the two sisters come in, one of them's eight, one of them's four. They want to take class together, you right. know? So that kind of, I've been in that trouble too. How, how are you working around that? We, yeah, it, we, we, workshopped it for a while um, we had a couple different not, not even talking ideas. curriculum this was its own discussion yeah so right mm -hmm. now we have uh, four different age groups for the kids so we have three to four mm -hmm. and then we have five to seven and then eight to ten and then eleven to fourteen and then once they're 15 then they would move up into the adult program um, and we find that those age divisions work well because those are very similar to the developmental learning stages that kids go through 
you know, so like, uh, uh, we start at three and a half technically. Um, but you know, like a four-year-old learns completely different than, a, an 11 year old, right? They're at Interesting. different learning stages. So, and um, you're basing this off of what you learned in school. Yes. And so there's like X, there's like developmental learning ages, this to this, this to this. Yeah, so you, you start to get a sense for it, right? Um, Interesting. You mind yeah, if I write as, that down a, real quick? As a, sorry, what'd you say? You mind if I write that down really quick? Oh my gosh, so, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. You said age three to four. Then you yep. said age five to what? Seven. Five to seven. Uh huh. Eight to ten. Eight to ten. And then eleven to fourteen. Eleven to four. Okay, cool. So, so basically, we broke it down to the similar age ranges that, that you would have in an elementary school an intermediate school and a um, like a middle school early high school interesting yeah okay and um so what what how did you troubleshoot that like yeah the hardest how, part like you said is is the schedule yeah um, what do you tell the parent that brings their two kids in and now their kid can't take class together so what what we had to do initially of course was have larger age groups because you you know if you have a class that's it's too small it just becomes awkward especially with kids exactly that's um, yeah exactly so we had to have larger age groups at first and we just ran them back to back so that you know if you have siblings hey your class is right afterwards and then, when and we then what, able, one of the siblings would like sit there and watch basically uh yeah uh, or or the parents just bring them in later or something like that um you once you get to like a, a certain level though then you can create separate age groups and that's, let's just say, for example, we started out doing kids' classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then when you get to a certain number then, what we did was we split that kids' group up. Okay. And now we had the same age group available on Monday, Wednesday, and Tuesday, Thursday. Okay. But separate rosters. So we would ask, hey, does anyone in this class, would you guys like to move over to the Monday-Wednesday section? We're trying to seed a new class on that day. Mm. And so then... From there, we split the age groups up again once those classes grew and we were able to basically create a schedule where we have options on alternating days for people. Uh, so if, they, if Tuesday, Thursday doesn't work for them, we have Monday, Wednesday classes available. Interesting. Um, and then and we always try to make the, um, the age groups back to back as much as we can. Um, this allows for people to at least be close to their siblings class time. Um, but we, I don't think we've almost ever made a, a exceptions for, for siblings to be in the same class if they're not within the correct age. Really? Yeah. And what type of pushback have you received about that? Not really much. Um, you know, we, we just point at the fact that it's for their best interest. It's not really, I mean, and that's an easy thing to say because it is true. It's, it is true. Yeah. The best interest of the kids to, to go with other kids, their size It's for the best interest of the kids to learn the lessons that we've developed for that age group. Um, and, you know, not be learning something that's below their uh, full abilities or something that's above their full abilities. Um, I haven't, I didn't start my kids rolling yet. How long do you have a child trained until they could roll live? Um, so it really depends on the age group. Um, with the three and four year olds, honestly, they don't really work with each other very commonly at all. They're almost always working with a coach at that age. So, so once so they're up, doing the move on you. Yeah. Yeah. And so once they get up to the five to seven year old age group, then they start pretty much exclusively working with each other. And 
we do a lot of, even with our adult program, we do a lot of specific training rounds. So like positional type stuff, you know, um, for the kids, simple drills, like pass or sweep, um, you know, like escaping a position, uh, really straightforward drills like that. Uh, With the five to seven year olds, we might do a little bit of free rolling. um, But with the eight to 10 year olds, even, even brand new kids, we, we generally start them off and we allow them to do free rolling. But we almost exclusively have the new students who have never rolled before work with our youth assistants. So we have a team called a, the Storm Team, and um, the, 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 it stands for Special Team of Role Models. And they're essentially Ooh. older kids who help assist with the younger kids' classes. That's really cool. Yeah, so that way the younger kids have these role models that they can look up to. And they can work with those older kids and the older kids can start to develop a sense of uh, leadership and they can start to learn how to teach as well. So that way we're again, building that community aspect in the Academy. Um, you know, like some, some of the storm team members, like, I feel like the kids like them more than they like us sometimes, you know, like the kids are always really? super to see them. Oh man, absolutely. Yeah. And it also is essentially extra training for those kids who are willing to do the storm team. That was one of the, that was probably the most important factor for giving, giving us the confidence to increase the sizes of our classes because, you know, we have classes all the, you know, our biggest class, we have probably like 35 kids in it. Wow. And, you know, it's just me and Seth who are the main coaches, but having the storm team members has been such a huge benefit and such a huge assistance um, in teaching the kids classes. And so we do like these monthly meetings for our storm team where we talk about curriculum. We talk about how to teach. We talk about systemization. We talk about, um, you know, the different things and, and, um, traits they want to have like integrity and communication. So we really pride ourselves on our storm team. We feel like that's a huge reason for the success of our kids program. Oh yeah. It's, it's invaluable. I I'd say our kids program it's not that it would only be half the size. I think we could only realistically handle maybe about two thirds of what we have right now without mm-hmm. the assistance of our storm team. So what do you go into? What, how do you develop a storm trooper? Yeah. So um, the main thing that we look for, for storm team members is their sort of interest in the sport first and foremost, right? You know, they, if they're if they're bored coming to class, you know, they're just doing this because their parents want them to. Obviously, that's not a good fit. But the kids who are able to quickly grasp technique, um, they are sociable. You know, they can speak well when they're talking to you or um, even kids who one thing that we've noticed a lot. There are some kids who they just naturally help their training partners more. Right. So like if we're doing a technique, one kid might be walking them through and assisting their training partner with the technique, which, you know, is a really great indicator for their ability as a storm team member. Um, you know, they when, when they do their storm team duties, they're not like up teaching the class. So, you know, uh, I don't want people to think that we're like having the kids teach for us. Yeah, no. They're just like our, our hands when we can't help with different groups. Right. right. So they're kind of going around helping all the groups and, and moving through. I like that word that you just used up teach. Can you elaborate on that word a little bit? Uh, what was the context for the word? The kids are not up teaching. They're just helping. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. They're not, uh, when I like up teaching as far as like up in front of the class, you know what I mean? So like, they're not going to be the one who is teaching the technique of the day. They're not going to be the one who's like, um, you know, doing the warmups and right. Their job is not to, to do coaching. Their job is, their job is to 
be amongst the other students. And we actually, we do, we do give them a, a different belt that is not a jujitsu belt. We give them a, a blue and white belt uh-huh. so that the kids can see that they are different. However, they are basically meant to keep the kids on task uh, and, and just show what an ideal student is going to look like in that class. Wow. Are these, are the storm uh, teachers, are they, um, are they volunteers or are they employees? Yeah. So storm team members, <clears throat> because they're kids, they're volunteers. Um, the essentially in the beginning, we, uh, when, once the Academy got to a certain size of the kids program, we put out an announcement that we were creating a storm team and we just asked kids who were interested to apply. And we did a little tryout thing, which Ooh. was, well, yeah, it was mostly um, just to kind of weed out kids who actually wanted to do it and versus kids who would be a little too shy. Um, it, it wasn't too strenuous. We just had them talk in front of a group and talk about why they want to do it and, we had little projects for them to do at the, at the, at the tryouts. And then we made a nice big, big deal out of, you know, giving each storm team member their binder with their information in it. That's their new cool. Storm team belt. Um, we have a little ranking system for storm team in and of itself as well, where they can gain uh, stripes on their storm team belt. Ooh. Um, but nowadays what Ray was saying is true. Nowadays we don't really do tryouts anymore. We just kind of keep an eye out for, students that we feel have potential for storm team and we kind of cherry pick them out and then offer them this opportunity interesting um, and how many storm team them. members do you currently have we have uh i think we have about 12 okay all right yeah. they and don't how all many... help with the classes right so you know there are some kids who come in and train on tuesdays and thursdays so they would help with those classes right. and we have a schedule so um and everything the the minimum age we have for that is eight years old also because they have to be able to help with at least one of the classes. So five to seven year olds couldn't really help with any class. Um, so that's why eight is the minimum. So they have to be, go, they have to be helping down an age group. That's right. Yeah. We, if, 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 if they want to assist in a, in a class of their age group, it just wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, students, and it wouldn't be a malicious thing, but students are just going to have trouble taking seriously a kid who is their, their age. own age. Or younger. Interesting. Um, and then, so there's 12 Storm team members. How many, how many total kids do you guys have right now? Um, I believe we have around uh, 125 student, uh, youth students at the moment, kids. That's amazing. And then what, what made you, um, at what amount did you guys decide to separate the age groups? Um, let me think. I'm trying to think back to that. It was before we went over to jujitsu. Yeah. Uh, probably. I'd say probably around like 75, close to 100. Yeah. Was when we felt like we really needed to. Interesting. Just put things up. No, I'd say 75. 75, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um. And and the classes were a little bit more sparse for a while, but because you have so many more options available for schedule, it makes people, you know more able to join and as of right now we have we have waiting lists for most of our classes because they're at maximum capacity so that kind of obviously that affects how many students we have overall yeah letting the parents know that that we do have maximum roster sizes and that um 
that those numbers are are a factor in in our teaching helps their confidence and it also helps kind of inform them as to like how important it is for them to continue their training so that they don't lose their spot because uh, a lot of the times people will take a break if they feel like they can just come back anytime they want interesting however when there is a very real possibility that we won't have room for that student any longer it, it, it does create a, a you know a little bit more connection interesting yeah it, it, it reminds me a lot of uh you know um people who hey you could train for free for x amount those people i notice are usually end up being the least grateful mm -hmm. <laughs> they quit anyway you know yeah when you have skin in the game you're much more likely to show up There's now if you could go back would you have split those kids classes earlier would you have waited till 40 or do you still believe 75 was a good amount of kids to wait to, to split? I would say it matter. It, it depends on the kids and the ages that you currently have. We, we I think at the time had uh, a strong leaning towards kids in the eight to 10 year old bracket. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, that decision just kind of was by feel, honestly. Um, mm. So if you had more younger kids, you probably would have, you know, done it earlier, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I feel like if we were to go back, I think we would have, we would have started out with slightly wider age groups, but split them up in a similar way, you know, maybe start off with like, um, you know, four to eight, and then like, nine to 13 or something, you know, mm. just to, to, to help make help increase the class sizes just to make sure that it's a healthy sized class, but then um, yeah. class class size should come before in my opinion it should come before separating the age groups um can you elaborate on that a little bit what do you mean when you say that um class it, size kind of like it's separating kinda, the age group kids need to feel like they're part of a group yes um and they need they need to, to have the ability especially certain kids they need to have the ability to kind of fade in into the crowd a little bit whether it's because they're shy or they uh you know don't feel good that day or whatever if it's always small groups uh it's just it's just more awkward there's no other way to put it so having a, a medium-sized group is very important i think um as a minimum because when you get below that number it it causes friction for certain students some kids thrive in that environment but you're gonna have uh, a great many students who are a little bit more introverted that it, it's it's going to be stressful for them and then on the Ooh. opposite side of that too you have some academies that just have a single kids class and they'll have kids four years old and then they'll have kids who are 14 years old both right. in the same class and <laughs> in my opinion that's you want to avoid that at all costs yeah it, it's hard for the students to learn well in, in that sort of setting uh, because it's hard to teach to both styles it's hard to teach to a four-year-old and a 14-year-old at the same time exactly and the classes would just get so huge at that point that it could be overwhelming for some kids. Yeah. Interesting. So having, having comfortable class sizes upon separating the age group is the best consideration you can make. So what's your definition of a comfortable uh, class size? I'd mm. say for, and it depends again on, on the age group, but I would say like 12 to 16 is a good number. If you start getting above 16 kids, then you can start <laughs> thinking about separating. 12 to 16, okay. Because like our maximum uh, class capacity for our three and four year olds is very small compared to the older kids, right? Because they need more one on one attention. So okay. for our three and four year olds, 
the maximum class size that we allow is 10. That's it. And then, wow. Yeah, for the five to seven year olds, eight to 10 year olds, we go up to 26. And then for the 11 to 14 year olds, it, we don't have a cap necessarily on the size, but it normally averages around 30 to 35 kids in that class. 30. So, um, and that, for, that is the only class that is once a week, though. Yeah. That is, a, what, the 14 is only on Mondays and Wednesdays. So that okay. class is a little bit bigger because there are not two sections of that class. Interesting. So four-year-olds is 10. The, tw the, the, the five to seven-year-olds is 26. Yeah. And then the um, eight to 12-year-olds is 35. So the eight to 10-year-olds would be the same as the five to seven. There'd be also 26, but then 11 to 14 would be just kind of like, you know, yeah, whatever. There's no upward limit. In, in our Interesting. Opinion. So what, what made you come to these um, numbers? What, what made you choose these numbers? Matt size and, and just experience. And also student-teacher ratio is important too. You right. Know? How many Storm Team members do we have available on that day? Yeah, because like mm. if, you know, Seth and I are only two people, so a student-teacher ratio for people who might not know is the ratio of how many students there are for one teacher. So – you know, a good student teacher ratio would ideally be one to one, right? Ideally, yeah. in the world, every student would have their own designated teacher. Obviously, yes. that's impossible. So, you know, right now, as it is, you know, the student teacher ratio, if you just take Seth and I into consideration, is around like 12, probably. Yeah. yeah. 12. Okay. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, right now, what I, what I, just, like, I agree with what you said. That parents don't want to see a kid in a class where there's only one other kid. So what I did for my first month was I just did a promotion, $27 for the month if you start, um, mm -hmm. you know, for the first month and then regular prices after. Did you guys do any type of promotional event or were you guys charging full price from the, from the get-go? We did. We did do uh, some promotional stuff. We started, mm -hmm. with, we started with actually really low prices. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, Do you remember um, what they were? Um, I think it was $79. Yeah, $79 for the kids program. And okay. we guarantee that as long as their membership continues, they are grandfathered in at that price forever. Wow. Um, and, and, you know, some people are still reaping those benefits to this day. Um, wow. And then we uh, have increased the price <laughs> from that point forward. Interesting. So um, not, not for those members, of course, but for any new members, their price is going to be different. If you could go back, would you have made that same decision? I, I would say so. It seems to have worked out pretty well. Um, I think maybe 79 was a little low, but mm -hmm. you know, it, it was just to start. It, it's just a seed. Like the most important thing to Ray and I is, is people on the mat. Um, so as long as we have people on the mat, we were happy and, you know, more people is more happiness. Yeah. And then that's going to lead to more business. Yeah. We do a, a free trial for all students. So they're allowed oh. to come in and try a class, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know that there is, I guess, in the, in the martial arts industry or whatever you want to say, there's, there's this debate against like free trial versus paid trial and all this sort of stuff. We found that, you know, especially with the kids, having that one free trial, it's, uh, you know, low risk. Um, it's not very stressful, allows the mm -hmm. kids to come in, check it out, see if it's a good fit for them. And we always try to make it a special occurrence for the new kids. So 
you know, like, we'll, if we're playing a game, we'll try to make sure that new kid wins the game. Um, you know, we'll make sure the new kid's working with a storm team member. And then at the end of the class, we will kind of do this little, you know, like when we're missing, we'll say, Hey, everyone, make sure you say hello to our new friend and give them a high five or something before you leave. And, you know, it helps really make the kid feel included. Interesting. I remember, um, I was in Texas and I was going to fight for a third call. So I was just going around different gyms and, and just, you know, um, training. And one thing that always stood out to me when I went to Gracie Baja, they're like, Oh, we have our new guest, Mike. He's fighting on third coast this week. Everyone give him a round of applause. And, and when I saw a class of 40 people clapping for me, I'm like, Oh, this felt great. Yeah. So now every time a new guy comes in, I always have everyone, you know, welcome our new friend. Everyone gives a round of applause and everyone tells me they love that. We do the exact same thing. Oh, you do that too. We do the exact same thing. Where'd you guys learn that? Um, I don't know if there was really a specific place where we learned it. It just, I don't know. We just felt like we would like that if we were a new, a newcomer to something, you know, cause you know how stressful it is to try out something new, especially jujitsu. Yeah. Super intimidating. Right. Um, so for kids and adults, so, you know, showing people that it's not an atmosphere where we're going to be judging them or we're going to be, you know, trying to beat them down and, and humiliate them, but where we want to build each other up and make sure that we're all trying to get better at the end of the day. Interesting. Okay. So, um, so when a new kid comes in, you do the free trial and they play the game, you know, you, you make sure that they, they do well in the game. Um, and that's, I that's to- mostly for our three and four and a five to seven year old range. We don't typically play games at the eight to 10 and 11 to 14 year old age range. Ooh. Why is that? Uh, we spend more time with rolling. Uh, Jiu Jitsu is the game they play. Yeah. <laughs> if they ever ask, oh, are we going to play a game? Yeah, we're going to play jujitsu. <laughs> Interesting. Because let me tell you, um, I only have 12 students right now. Mm-hmm. But the freaking nine-year-olds and eight-year-olds, they love the game. Oh, yeah. When so we, we play running we bases, oh, a, man, these, these kids are going crazy. We kind of make it a, a treat for that age group. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they've you know been working hard that week or that month. We do a game. Yeah, like we do the, occasionally. Whereas the five to seven year olds, um, it's it's definitely something we try to do every class. Um, Interesting. Like that age group, they're just a little bit more reliant on light mood at the end. And then, especially with three and four year olds, you want pretty much everything to be a game at that age. Um, you know, don't even get me started on the Halloween game days because <laughs> my voice is still recovering from that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I visited you guys last year, we did a little Instagram story. I'm like, hey. What's the secret to having a good kids program? And you just opened up a chest full of Dude, candy. Mike, Pat- that chest is now even bigger. Like there's so much candy in there. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm like, now it makes, it makes so much sense why these guys have so many students. That was hilarious. Um, so what type of games do you guys play? Right now, my, my instructor tells me that we have to play the same game every class because you don't want to um, – you don't want – you want to bring new things um, systematically. I'm like, bro, let's, 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 let's switch it up every time. He goes, no, we got to play this game, then we'll move on to this one. So what games do you play for the kids? And um, do you do a lot of variety or you just play one game into the ground, move on to the next one? Um, when, when you say game, are you referring to like a jujitsu game to help with technique or are you referring to like a literal game like dodgeball? Um, so 
you guys tell me what you do and what works for you. Mm-hmm. Right now, we play like running bases, steal the bacon. Mm-hmm. Simon says, you know, sure. I don't know too many. You know, I'm still <laughs> learning. So, like, what are yeah. some games you guys do? Like, regular edge games. Those, those are those are what we consider like reward games. Reward as, games as okay. opposed to like drilling games. Interesting. So for, I I mean I'm pretty sure every martial arts school owner will say the same thing. Dodgeball is pretty much the premier <laughs> the yeah. premier game for kids we do it a little bit differently um the way that we do dodgeball is we have me and seth on either end of the mat all the kids are in the middle and then seth and i throw the ball at the kids and you know we kind of rebound it side to side um other than that some of the other games that are really popular in our program um, we have a game i think you said it's steal the bacon um, mm-hmm. i'm not sure if we do the same but it's where we have we have a, a belt that's tied up and we throw the belt and then they go out and grapple to see who can get the belt and give it back to us is that mm-hmm. similar to what you do what we do is um we have something in the middle that's the bacon the kids mm-hmm. get into two lines one on either side of the gym and then you have to run and grab that and bring it back to your line so it's pretty much them sprinting suicides for fun sure yeah mm-hmm. no that's cool i like that as well mm-hmm. um some of the other games that work well we have a game called steal the tail where we have a, a a belt that we cut up and we, there's a little section of belt. We stick it in the back of the kid's belt and this is a free for all game. So um, they would all be strewn out across the mat. They have to stay on their knees and their objective is to take another kid's tail out of their belt. And if they steal the tail, they give it back to the kid and then the kid runs over to a coach and we help them put it back in. And you can do the exact same game for the older kids by having them untie their belt by one step. So that way the kids are actually trying to take each other's belts off. And not only does that, kind of increase the difficulty of the game, but it also makes it so that the older kids have to retie their belt. So that's a good way to teach kids how to tie the belts up. Oh, wow. Uh, why do you have them on their knees? Um, Saving space. Yeah. Um, running is going to be the number one way that kids get injured. Oh, yeah. And it also increases the effective mat space if the kids are on their knees. And it forces them to grapple. And more. it forces them to, to use more ground fighting stuff uh, if, if the game allows for that. Yeah, Ooh. I think it's funny because you know, oftentimes parents will ask us, new parents will ask about safety and injury rates and stuff. And we're very proud to tell them we have never had a youth student get injured doing jujitsu, but we have, I don't mention this part, but we have had many injuries from games. games. Yeah. Games are far and away the most dangerous part. The games that we don't do anymore. Right. Yeah. We do not play those games anymore. (laughs) I mean, dude, like, let me, let me hear about some of these rejected games. Yeah. One of them was so awesome. and I miss it so much, but, but we can't do it. It was like the first, maybe three months in, we had a girl break her wrist. Uh Uh, She fell forward and stuck her hand out and broke her wrist. It was horrendous. And so um, that was one of the worst. Then we had another game where a kid broke his arm. That game what, was. A, what game is it? You gotta tell me the game. Yeah. So the first game where the girl the first broke game her wrist was just a just a front rolling game where they would just go over increasing the high targets. Yeah. So we had like this this crash pad and we kind of set it up like a like a triangle and they had to like go over top of it. But the second game was a game called lightweight. Uh-huh. Um, this game is so fun. And man. that and it's a really cool game. But um, the way that lightweight works is there's two teams. Everyone's sitting on their knees except for the smallest kid on the team, and that kid has to stand up. Okay. The goal of the game is to make the other team's lightweight fall down. Oh my god. If you can make their kid fall down, your team wins. So you can see how 
it's a pretty intense game. But the, the injury is not what you expected. It was actually yeah. one of the kids that was on the ground, one of the bigger kids. He, a like, ran into he, another kid. I no, think. no, no. His hand was posted on the ground. Oh, yeah. He was, like, framing on the ground, kind of. Mm-hmm. And a kid running by stepped right in the middle of his forearm. <sighs> oh, my God. And, and snapped his forearm. Yeah. Like, it was horrendous. Like, I he never was so expected. chill too. He was so calm. He came he up was to in me. Shock, my, yeah, my, my he came guy. up to me. He's like, "I think I broke my arm." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Okay." So let's... we we stopped playing that game. But, uh, <laughs> a couple good ones for the little kids. Um, mm-hmm. One of them is called Monster Arena. Monster Arena. Let's hear it. So Monster Arena is really fun. You get like um, like kicking pads or pool noodles or, or something that you can put in your hands, mm-hmm. um, and those are your your monster claws or whatever. So the coach is going to be in the middle. You're going to put cones in a, in a circle around the coach, and then all the kids have to stay inside those cones. And now the coach is going to spin around, close their eyes, and now they have to hunt down all of the kids and tag them with those either you know slap pads or, or pool noodles or something. Uh-huh. And so this one's good because you are actively encouraging the kids, hey, you've got to be quiet like ninjas. Mm-hmm. So it's not – it's not a super chaotic game. It's like they're all sneaking around. Because the monster can't see. And you can, as the coach, you can make it as intense as you want. You can, <laughs> you can peek a little bit. They can't tell. Shh, don't give away. We're going to have someone listening to this and they'll be like, what? Uh, but <laughs> you, you, can like, you can like go high, have them duck down. You can swipe under their feet, see if they jump out of the way. So and you're, you're kind of bl- you're blindfolded when you do this, and then you're, you're tagging students with the pool noodles. We just, essentially, we just close our eyes. Ah, okay. And they're around you, walking around yeah, you secretly. Yeah, they're, they're all around us, just trying to be quiet and sneaky and not get tagged out. Because when they tag out, they go sit on the outside of the circle. Ah, and then um, how do you win? Just last man standing? Yep. Yeah. And, and this is one of your more popular ones? That and uh, Infection. They're, they're <laughs> very simple games that are, that are popular. Let's, let's hear about Infection. Uh, infection is, uh, it's basically a zombie movie. So there's, there's the patient zero. So there's one person who starts in the middle of the circle on their knees. They are the zombie. All the other kids are on their feet and the kid on their knees. Every time they touch a kid, that kid drops down to their knees and they become a zombie. That is so funny. Yeah. And so eventually <laughs> there's just one kid running away from a horde of zombies. <laughs> that is yeah. so funny. So yeah. you have patient zero that they're a zombie. Mm-hmm. They're on the knees. Everyone's on their feet. When the zombie touches someone on their feet, they become a zombie. And they go on their knees. Interesting. Do you ever have any cases with that game where the person on their knees is just so slow that they don't tag anyone yep. out? Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what we'll do in that situation, that. yeah, uh, we'll send a storm team member. Yeah, we'll be like, them. hey, don't worry. I found this zombie for you. We're and like, we'll oh, my God, another zombie. <laughs> and we throw in a storm team member. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So – if it's becoming unsuccessful, bring in a storm team member. Yeah, basically. Or or one of the coaches. Or yeah, too, yeah, a coach will just come in and be like, "Hey, uh oh, I'm too close," and they'll let the kid tag. <laughs> that's so funny. Patient zero. That's so. Did you guys invent these games, or did you look them up somewhere? Some uh, of them, a little bit we of both. Invented a little bit. Some of them we looked up. I forget at this point. I, I, well, I want to do a quick shout out because um, one of probably the most influential resources resources and mentors to me and Seth when it came to our kids program mm-hmm. was a, a lady named Chris Rodriguez who owns uh, Gracie Pack MMA in, in Tampa Bay, Florida. Okay. Um, she has a 
phenomenal kids program mm. and she had um this this resource called uh, uh kids jits university where she would that's where we were able to um uh, learn about the storm team system and mm. a lot of the games that we utilize and honestly the the structure of um you know our our, our class insofar as the quarters of the class so like your warm-up quarter your lesson your drill and then your rolling quarter and um so i just want to give her a shout out because she was such a huge role model to us um and, and so that's where some of the games came from but other games we did make up on our own like like one game that i wanted to mention is a game that we play in the little little kid class because i feel like the three and four year olds are kind of difficult to play games with because mm -hmm. Three and four, you know, it's it, if you have more than two rules, you've lost them, right? <laughs> so, one game that we play for those kids is we just call it the superhero game, and it, the way that it works is Seth and I, the coaches, we are monsters, and we are going to destroy the city. And the city is literally just the back wall of our academy. So uh -huh. if you can touch that wall, the monster wins, and the little kids—they're the superheroes they need to stop the monster from getting to the city. So uh -huh. all they have to do, and, then, and that, that's it, right? So they just have to work together. They to work try together. To, they try to stop us from getting to the wall. Take us down. They try to arm bar us. They try to choke us. And <laughs> we're like, ah, like crawling over to the wall, trying to tag it. Dude, the kids love that yeah, game. That one's really, really popular. Yeah. And what's the name of that game? We just call that the superhero game because we often ask them like, hey, what superhero are you? And then, you know. They're almost always wow. going to say Spider-Man. Yep. Everyone, everyone is Spider-Man or Wonder Woman. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I wonder why. It's just popular, I guess. Yeah. I think we, we know what's funny. I think it's like whatever the first kid says, all the other kids will just say that. Yeah. One. Basically. <laughs> I'm Batman too. Yeah, I'm Batman too. So <laughs> as far as like Chris Rodriguez, did you guys sign up for Grow Pro? You know what? We did not. I know uh, we oh, were Oh, so you just personally know her? Nope, nope. No, so, no. It was a separate uh, program. Yeah, GrowPro is her new thing. Um, we we stopped utilizing her service probably back in like twenty early twenty nineteen. Okay. Um, and, and not because yeah, just not because we had any ill will or anything. Just we, we feel we like were we just had, getting more and more wrapped up in what we were doing. Yeah, we kind of just adjusted and we're doing our own style. So um, I have not necessarily. I I still follow her. We're still friends on Facebook and we still chat every now and then. But I have not seen anything about her GrowPro agency thing. So um, how um, I want to try not I, I want to try to stay on track with the question, but not digress too much. Hmm? Um, uh, how important is hiring an outside consultant? Because I was choosing between between GrowPro, Academy Kings, and another um, agency, and I actually went with Academy Kings. So I wanted to ask, like, you didn't go with GrowPro, but you went with an earlier version of it, right? Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't something where Chris, you know, we kind of told her our, you know, business strategy and she would help us do ads and stuff like that. It was more so just like a, a library, a resource of different sections of videos. There was a resource for games. There was a resource for Storm Team. There was uh, a resource for... Uh, marketing um so it wasn't i would say it wasn't super personalized mm. it was just a resource that we could go in and, and watch and see her opinions and get her ideas uh, there was actually one situation where seth and i 
we did reach out to her. We did actually reach out and, and have a phone conference with her because we, oh. had, we had a situation happening uh, actually in our adult program. And so we wanted to get her opinion on that. Interesting. And that was, and she was extremely helpful in that. And again, I, I really want to share my appreciation for her because like it was pretty late at night and like she did <laughs> not have to answer the call, but she did. And so I really appreciated that. Yeah, that was nice. What was this, some type of emergency? It was a, it was an instructor issue that we were having with, um, with one of the uh, instructors in the, in the academy. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you want to talk about it or is it like just keep that on their, you know, personal? I think we'll yeah. let that one go for now. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a topic for another time. We, I think. we can tell you off, off, off the recording. Okay. Because for me, um, a lot of people are like, yeah, I want to teach. And I'm like, it's not so much about your teaching skills. Mm -hmm. It's very much so about your integrity and whether or not you fit with the immortals values. Right. You know, like I know, I know someone who good teacher, uh, pretty tough, but I've seen him several times at IBJJF tournaments go into a division with no people in it. And then post that he won gold. <laughs> and I'm like, nice. yeah, you'll never, ever be an instructor at my gym ever. Yeah. You do that. Um, That's so, integrity. <laughs> yeah, like that type of integrity is very important to me. You oh, know? Sure. Um, so, um, so, so it was like a whole library of resources. And you were able to learn games, how to structure a class, et cetera, right? That is correct, yeah. That's really cool. I know Gracie University has something like that. Um, we did the bullyproof program actually when we first opened. We used a lot of their games, and mm -hmm. we still use we still use a few of them. It's a pretty good resource. Yeah. Um, so what was that like? What is that like a six week thing? It is a I think it's like a twelve game rotation. Yeah, um, they mm -hmm. they basically teach a, a few basic techniques in game style. Yeah. Okay. Weeks. Honestly, we moved away from it because it was just a little bit too basic. Um, yeah. But, that that's one of the things I wanted to mention before the end of the podcast was mm -hmm. I, I I I'm not ever going to point out specific names, but I feel like a lot of kids programs don't have high enough expectations for their students. Mm, yeah. And I think one of the key things that, that differentiates our students is that we have pretty high expectations for them. And I'm not just talking about technique, I'm talking about maturity and I'm talking about uh focus uh and, and the the ability to not just recall and retain information, but to, to learn new things. Interesting. So in other words, what you're trying to say is you could easily, you could build a very successful, you know, class with tons of kids, but just have being a playground, but you guys choose to make sure that they're learning something. Not like in a way. And what I'm saying is there's a lot of, kids programs out there that I've seen that treat it largely as, as a, as a playground. As and, a playground. And, and we'll okay. teach a technique or two, but don't really enforce whether or not the students have learned that technique and that they can display uh, that they are doing the technique properly. Mm -hmm. it, the, the easiest way I can put it is just lower expectations of the students essentially. Mm. And it's no fault of the instructors often because they're not, generally trained for this but they they just don't understand 
what a kid of a certain age should be capable of. And so the kids are able to get away with, for lack of a better word, just half-assing the techniques or not paying attention. Interesting. Because, because that's all the, the instructor may think that that kid is capable of. That's one thing we hear a lot of at tournaments when our students are competing. People, co other coaches come up to us and they're like, man, your students are so technical. They're so, you know, they're, they're so like concentrated and focused on your, on your uh, coaching. And, and they, you know, they always give us kudos for that. So I feel like that's one thing that kind of differentiates us a little bit. Interesting. So that's very. We, we try our best to not have kids um, fall through the cracks. Um, you know, there will always be the kids who are lower achievers and who don't focus. And we do our best to push those kids along. We're not mm -hmm. puppet masters, so we can't control them, but we do our best. Um, but I, I feel like there's a lot of kids that would in, in other programs, and I'm not saying in all, in other programs may just fall through the cracks and not get the attention that they need or not be taught in a way that they need to be taught mm -hmm. so that they can find success. I feel like a lot of, of places, and not just kids programs, but adult programs as well, uh, when it comes to beginners, the instructors will, not on purpose, but they will focus on the most promising students. Yes. And they will give those students all of their attention. They will give those students all of the tips and pointers and small techniques and, and tricks that they can do. And, and then the other kids just are not paid attention to at all, or the other students are not paid attention to at all. Interesting. Um, so I know something that Gracie University does that I really enjoy. Um, it's the grading system. So, you know, if you want a first stripe on your white belt, you <laughs> must know this, this and this. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we used up, to do something like that. Uh, so what made you not do that anymore? Oh, man. So, yeah, we used to have we had a very detailed, very complicated uh, evaluation week at the end of every month. Yeah. So okay. what we did at the end of every month is we had the students it was called the testing week and throughout the course of the week the students were tested on every single technique they learned throughout that month and that was how they earned their stripe for that month this was okay. back when we were using the uh the 12 stripe system that the ibjjf uses okay uh, we've, we've since moved away from that um and so the reason that we no longer do that testing week is well two reasons the first reason is honestly it was super boring for the kids and most of them were completely disinterested in it <laughs> the other reason was it, 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 we didn't want to necessarily reward rote memorization over ah, application. Okay. Because there were some kids who they were extremely bright and they were able to memorize techniques. and But not use any of it in an actual live role. Yes, yes exactly. exactly. And so we didn't necessarily want to simply reward that. Uh, we wanted to make sure that they actually got more time to, to roll and train. Hmm. So we instead moved to more of an attendance system for stripes. For the kids, yeah. Yeah, for kids. Now, why do you feel the attendance system is superior? Well, we just do we see it as a consistency style system, mm -hmm. right? Um, at that age, I feel like consistency is the most important thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Like we were talking about in the beginning, keeping kids engaged and having that retention is critical for young kids. So the way that we do our stripes is every 20 classes they're gonna they're gonna get a stripe and okay. you know it, it may be controversial but we follow that like clockwork and we have a card system that we use an attendance system and every 20 classes on their 20th class they're going to get a stripe now the belt is a with, different with thing few exceptions right the belt though is a different thing right the belt 
comes when we feel like they're ready for the promotion, right? Okay. So the, the stripes come like clockwork. So that way the kid is getting that gratification, that, that sort of carrot at the end of the stick. Mm-hmm. We actually do five stripes. Yeah. So they have um, the four white stripes and then a red stripe, which kind of marks the end of their belt and also helps us visually identify, oh, this kid has been waiting on a new belt. Do we think they're ready? Yeah. Um, so you do four white and one and a red. Yeah. Interesting. And is this like from a system or did you guys kind of discover it? Workshopped it until we liked what we saw. It's the IBJJ system. Yeah, it's just the um, stripe system they use pretty much. Interesting. Speaking on saving time, Ray mentioned, you know, the an entire week devoted to just evaluation was kind of a waste. One yeah. That I think is really valuable that might be controversial is that Ray and I basically do zero warm-ups for any of the classes that we run, but kids' classes specifically, since that's what we're talking about, mm. I think it's really important because you don't have a ton of time. And so uh, once we cut out jumping jacks and push-ups and shrimping and all that, we were able to shoot our instruction time up way, way higher and mm-hmm. saw huge improvements from the students from that. Interesting. And then the same, same in the adults class. Yeah. in the one-on-one class we teach, we don't do warmups. So any, what about any of the other classes, the advanced classes, regular ones? Yeah. It, we it, leave that up to the instructor of that class. Um, it, it really depends. Sometimes they'll do light warmups. Sometimes they'll just do like uh, uh, positional drilling or something like that. Interesting. Um, and then, so, so you guys are not the only instructors. You have several instructors working for you. Correct. Okay. So at what point did you realize you needed outside help at what student mark? Uh, well, it wasn't, I guess, until we met the black belt who actually... We've always voluntarily taken the back seat with the, the adult program because mm-hmm. we wanted a black belt to be in charge yeah. of okay. that, uh, if possible. However, with our one-on-one class, Ray and I feel like our teaching style just, just lends itself to, to kids of, of that uh, or to, to, to people who are just now getting into it. Okay. Uh, we really break things down in a, in a way that's very simple and very un- easy to understand. Um, but I would say it was probably into. like 2018 yeah. when we had uh, somebody come in to start with the adult program. And the main, uh, main reason for that was that Ray and I just didn't have any accolades yet. We were still blue belts by about that time when we officially mm-hmm. transitioned over to oh, yeah, jiu-jitsu school. Ray and I were still blue belts, actually. Yeah. Okay, so this was more of you, you felt that you needed more experience to start um, getting into that realm. Yeah, yeah. And also, we wanted to be able to continue our training as well. Yeah. Interesting. Kind of, I'm on the reverse end of that because I'm like, hey, I don't have experience with kids. I'm going to hire someone else. I'm just going to shadow them until mm-hmm. I feel like I'm ready, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah. The, yeah, the only way with kids is just to really just get in there and feel like a kid in a way, hmm. understand how they're thinking, understand how, how kids have fun and understand that childlike spirit, but mm-hmm. then turn around and talk to them like adults. Yes. Because that's what Ray and I do. We don't do baby talk. We don't do like, <laughs> we don't do teacher, teacher, nice voices. Okay. Like, boys and girls. It's yeah. Time no, to... we don't do any of that shit. Like we are, <laughs> we, we talk to them like they are grownups because they are here to work they are learning a combat sport and the kids for the most part i think like that they like being talked to like an equal and i I did the same thing when i was teaching in in school like the kids like 
feeling like an equal. Interesting. Uh, and they like feeling like they're being taken seriously. Interesting. Um, have you had this uh, case? I, I've had several kids that, you know, their parents come in, they say their kid caused a lot of problems at home and they're there to learn discipline. And what's really fascinating is I think they, they come into class, they see I look like a freaking crazy guy. They're the most well-behaved, respectful kid in my class. But as soon as they get home with their parents, they're wild. Yeah. You have that same uh, thing oh, happening oh, with yes. you sometimes? Yeah, we yes. get that a lot where parents will come up to us and they'll say, man, we have to use you guys as like a discipline tool in our home. You know, so the parents <laughs> will say like, if, yeah. you don't, if you don't make your bed, we're going to tell it, Coach Ray and Coach Seth. It's one of the fortunate things of there being two of us because one of us can be teaching the class while the other one is dealing with, with things like that. When it comes to kids that misbehave at home but behave at the academy – um, we, when we've run into that before, basically Ray or I just sit them down and talk to them kind of like man to man talk, be like, Hey, look, do you, do you like being here? Do you like training with me? Okay. That's great. I like you training here too. That can't continue unless you can change things at home. Like, oh, wow. I, I can't let you continue to train here. If you can't improve things outside of this school. If I keep hearing about this or that at school, if I keep hearing about this or that at home, then we're going to have to just enforce our three-strike policy. And if that happens two more times, I can't let you stay in the academy. So you don't talk to them like like, uh, like, a, like a child. You talk to them like, hey, look, dude, this is, this is the second time this has happened. You cannot keep doing this. So and you have a actually, – We've only ever had to kick one kid out of the academy. Ever. Oh, wow. You have a three-strike yeah. policy? Yep. Yes. First strike, first strike is a verbal warning. Mm -hmm. Second strike is a parent teacher conference. And then a third strike is a suspension. So we've utilized that suspension once. And that was the same student that we then had to remove when they returned. So what, what happened with that student? Um, they were extremely, uh, not aggressive. And that's not the right word. Um, belligerent. They, they were extremely belligerent. They were dangerous to other students insofar as they would like attack other students before the class and, and like strike them or like take them down. Um, just like jump them, just get yeah. on their back and choke them using oh, okay. and stuff that you're not supposed to be doing that while there's no supervision. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I, I felt bad because this was a student that I, I had actually, um, in my time subbing, um, had worked with quite, quite a bit. And, uh, the it, it was definitely a learning situation for for the coaches as well for both me and Seth um, dealing with this this particular student. But I think it was it was clear to us that the student didn't want to be there at all. And so I feel like you know I, I, he was probably just lashing out because he didn't want to do this anymore, and his parents I guess wanted him to try to continue or something. But um, it was a strange situation. Yeah, it was. But um, it was definitely a learning situation too and it's so never you, you can only control what happens in your own academy but you can at least try to appeal to that kid's desire to be at the academy oh uh, okay so their parents kind of just put them in there to uh you know learn discipline meanwhile the kid didn't even really want to learn jujitsu correct yeah interesting i've seen that i've seen that well, before uh, mm, no i i 
this this situation was a little bit different. I, I if I recall, the parent was kind of in denial a little bit about the the child's problems. Oh, really? Yes. Um, and admitted to some of them, but it was totally turning a blind eye to, to others. Oh, really? So yeah. maybe so that was another part of the friction. Uh, we weren't getting full cooperation on, on, on both ends. And it, it just was a place, like Ray said, it was a place the kid didn't want to be ultimately. And mm. you can't force someone to stay somewhere or do something. Interesting. So you have the three strike policy for discipline. The other day for the first time ever, I had a kid start crying during class. Mm, because yep. he, he wanted to teach a technique on his first <laughs> day teaching class. And we said, we're sorry, you can't do that. Right. And he just start hysterically crying. And me, having no experience with kids, go up to him, oh, are you all right? Why mm. are you crying? Yeah. And Mike pretty much told me that's lit amateur mistake. That's the last yeah, thing you yeah, do. You can't do that. <laughs> so, yeah, this is, um, again, this is something that we picked up from Chris Rodriguez. But um, dealing with tears is something that we do talk with our storm team members about. Um, so the way that, that we like to approach it is first and foremost, you want to remove the student from other students, right? So the student oftentimes will probably be crying and continually crying because they're embarrassed that they are crying, right? Mm -hmm. So removing them from the eyesight of other students is critical. So that's where the uh, co-teaching of me and Seth comes in. So if Seth is teaching, I can remove the student off to a corner or uh -huh. you know, away from the mat. So once you remove the student from the limelight, you then wanna, I feel like one of the biggest mistakes people make is immediately asking the kid, what's wrong? Yeah, right? <laughs> literally what I did. <laughs> yeah, because, well, think of it like this, you know, they're emotional, they're, they're you know, trying to like catch their breath. They don't, probably don't even know what's wrong, you know, whether they were rolling and they got hurt or if, you know, a student did something, whatever it may be. So the thing that I always do is I always get down on their level. So that way I can get eye contact. I always first and foremost, remind them that I am here to make sure that they're okay. So that way you're helping to ease their uh, nervousness, their um, maybe embarrassment in the situation. So I'll remind them, hey, I, I wanna make sure that you're okay. I wanna make sure that you're safe. From there, I'll have them breathe with me. So I'll have them do deliberate breathing. I'll say, okay, right now, I want you to breathe in through your nose with me and now breathe out through your mouth. And when they start to do that, that helps to calm them down. And I'm always reassuring of them, right? So when they're breathing with me, I always say, hey, I thank you for breathing. I really appreciate that. You're doing a great job. Once they're calmed down, that's the point where you then say, hey, so can you tell me what's wrong? And at that point, they're almost always like, oh, I stuffed my toe. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, from there, obviously they're totally fine. Um, you always want to try to finish with something fun, right? So make like, a joke. yeah, make a joke or, you know, one of my favorite things with the little kids is, you know, if maybe if they hurt a finger, you know, I'll, I'll hold their finger. I'll look at them and be like, oh man, you know what? I need to get some scissors. We got to cut this one off. And they'll always be like, what? No. And then, you know, <laughs> give them a high five. And then you'll always make sure you ask, be like, hey, do, are you ready to continue training? And they'll say, yep. And then you just have them come right back in. But that's kind of the way that we approach dealing with tears. Mm. Um, yeah, Cause I feel like, you know, that, that is a learning experience is you don't want to immediately just swoop in and be like, Oh no, what happened? You know, cause it's just overwhelming for the kid. Wow. And then you learned these tactics from Chris. Yep. 
Interesting. There, I wonder if there, it still there's exists. There's another type of tears, though. There's the the like obstinate or nervous tears where yeah. they, they maybe don't want to do the class or they mm. a lot of times we'll have a kid come in, they'll enjoy their trial class, they'll have a lot of fun, and then the next day they come in wearing their uniform, they're too scared to hop on the mat. Yeah. Wow. So that's a different type of thing. And this is actually something I learned from my time teaching at a daycare. Wow. It's one of the main lessons I learned at uh, teaching daycare, and it was if you want a kid to do something, you always give them a choice. Oh, wow. You empower okay. them. So, so what, I, what I always do, if there's a kid who's feeling nervous about doing the class, or they, and, and a lot of the times the parents are just trying to cater to the kids. So they're like, oh, it's okay. We'll just go home. <laughs> I always try to intercept that. And I always give the kid a choice. I say, okay, hey, that's cool. That's fine. Listen, look, here's our two choices, okay? I'm going to let you choose. Now, you, we can either go over here, we're going to sit on the wall, and we're going to watch class, or you can come and play class with us. And then they'll inevitably, they'll be like, no, I don't want to, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, that's fine, that's fine. But listen, these are our two choices, and you got to pick one. We're going to go sit on that wall, or you can come in over and play class with us. Oh, and wow. then I, no matter how many times they argue or say a third option, I will keep saying that until they pick one of those two options. Oh, yeah. How and many then, times does it usually take? Maybe two or three. Okay. And then no matter which one they pick, there's a pathway to get them into the class. So if, if they say, I want to do the wall, the second they choose one of those answers, I immediately am like, yes, okay, that's great. And so then I have them come on over to the wall and they sit down and I make sure it's as boring as possible. For them. <laughs> what, when they're, when they're sitting there? Yeah. So <laughs> I, I sit them there and I say, okay, that's great. And if they try to turn back towards their parents, I, I turn them around and say, no, 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 you just, we're, we're going to watch the class right here. And if you change your mind, you want to play class, just raise your hand. I'll come over. Okay. And then I just walk away. Interesting. Yeah. And then I'll repeat that process if, if necessary. But most of the time they'll sit there because they feel like they made that choice. Mm -hmm. And then eventually they'll get bored and I'll walk over. And even if they're not raising their hand, I'll come back in about five minutes and I'll be like, Hey, so how you feeling? You, you, we're going to come play class, right? And they'll be like, yeah. <laughs> and they'll just come <laughs> with me onto the mat. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. It really works well, especially with younger kids. Older kids, it's not as effective. But uh, I would say from the three-year-olds to the seven-year-olds, it's a very effective technique. And you can use that. You can use two options for, for a variety of different things. But that's the most common one I use. And a lot of the times the parents are always just super impressed. Like, how did you do that? I can never get my kid to change their mind. <laughs> Uh-oh. You there, Mike? Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah. Sure can. Yeah, Mike. Okay, perfect. I don't know what the heck happened there. I'm sorry, dude. guys. Oh, dude, it's, you're good. It's okay. It was exactly after my choice story <laughs> at 1.30. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... You said there's a pathway to always bring them into the class. I noticed for the adults, when an adult comes in and they ask to watch class, I always say no, because I have never had a single person come watch class and sign up. Mm, interesting. Zero times. It's only when they take the class. So That's now I'm like, you could take the class. You can't watch. Are you sure? I'm like, yeah, they take the class and they sign up. Yeah, that, that can be a big hurdle for the adults. Yeah, that's one thing we hear a lot is just getting in the door. Oh, really? Yeah. So do you have any adults that ask to watch the class? We do. We do get those, and we generally let them watch. And then what? What's your what's your you know retention rate with that with that? I'd say it's 
It's pretty good. Um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to like imagine. Here's the thing: we don't remember the ones that don't come back. Um, I th- I feel like because we always make sure to try to talk to them afterwards and and try to set up the next time that they'll come in, you know. So like if they watch a class, we'll then go up to them and be like, all right, so sweet, so you want to come in next Tuesday, and you know, I, I feel like we have fairly decent success, but um, and we always schedule trials, even if it's just for show, we schedule trials so that the p- people understand that it is commitment, a commitment, and it's something that we're committing to as well. Interesting. Um, oh, yeah. I keep forgetting to, to go back to this. It was a very interesting concept you brought up. Uh, quarters. You said you divide your kid's class into quarters. Mm-hmm. You said uh, instruction, drilling, and um, rolling. So the four quarters would be uh, warm-up, instruction, drilling, and then rolling slash game or like in the end of class. So the warm-up section is where we bow in. They run, they, we do three laps, and when they're running their laps, they count them out, and then that's the end of the warm-up quarter. So they're not like literal quarters of the class because the classes are 45 minutes. Okay. So um, after they're done with the warm-up, they circle up around our logo in the middle. Then we have our instruction period where we, Seth and I teach the technique. And then from there, we move into the drilling period where they, um, with the younger age groups, they would work with us and go through the techniques with us. And with the older kids, they work with each other. And then after that, we uh, give them 30 seconds to get water. And then if they need a mouth guard, they get a mouth guard. And then when they come back, we go right into to drilling, uh, to rolling and uh, finishing up the class. Interesting. So what made you choose 45 minutes as the time? Um, the, well, so the three and four-year-olds is 30 minutes. And then all the older kids' classes are 45. Even the 11 to 14-year-olds are 45 minutes. Um, and I think the main reason that we went with that time is because we, and we started out with 50. Yeah, I think we did. But um, so that's what I do right now. Um, on the website, it says one hour. Yeah. But I always want 10 minutes of buffer time just to breathe between classes. We used to have buffer time, but no longer. <clears throat> yeah, I think that was part of it was just we just got too many classes. And so when we shifted down to 45 minutes, we approached it from the perspective of consolidating all of our class time to keep things razor focused so that way the kids don't get bored and that is true right because like if a class is an hour long for a five-year-old an hour is a very long time and it's hard for them to keep focused for that amount of time so uh, we've just had a lot of success with the 45 minutes and then 30 for the younger kids and what do the parents say about that because i feel like parents want to get rid of their kids for an hour there was a tiny bit of friction when we went from 50 down to 45 but um, when we were able to explain it as us taking out warm-ups that would, would basically be time wasters. Trim the fat. Um, and tr- just trimming the fat. Most of them were, were okay with that. Um, mo- a lot of the parents usually stay and watch the class. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Which has presented some interesting difficulties. Yeah, that's been <laughs> – it is what it is. Uh, we would never – coaching their kids and stuff? Yeah. Oh, Yeah. <clears throat> So we have we have a that's rules one of, of conduct. Top, yeah, that's one of our top rules. Yeah, we have our rules of conduct posted up above our water fountains. Mm-hmm. And one of the very first rules is no coaching your kids on the mat. And so there have been, I mean, I'd say it's maybe every two or three weeks, I will have to enforce that rule where I will actually have to go up to a parent and I'll say, excuse me, no coaching, please. And they're very quick to be like, oh, sorry, I didn't know. And, uh, you know, th- nobody's ever gotten aggro or anything like that, but... You know, 
there, there's been many times where the parents have tried coaching or where the parents are just super loud and they're just like talking on their phone at an incredible volume. Uh, and so one trick that I've used to help um, quiet down the, the parents is I'll actually, uh, we, we, I took this trick from our, our mom because our mom taught ballet for 15 years. She owned her wow. own business. And so she taught me this trick. I round up the students. This is pretty bold, though. This is not a beginner move. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> I, this is the advanced technique right yeah. here. I round up the students and I have them stand behind me like, a, like my posse. And together we walk up to the parent and I go up to the parent and I say, excuse me, the class wanted to know if you could be a little bit quieter. Oh, my God. So it's, it's, not, <laughs> it's, it's not me. It's not Coach Ray coming up and being like, excuse me, can you stop no, no, no. It's the class. You're interrupting this, this class's learning time, you know? So I feel like I've only had to do that twice. Yeah. That's, um, that's something that we, we quickly correct with parents. Yeah. Some parents come in and they look at this as like a daycare thing <clears throat> or like a, a romper room. And we're very quick to correct that behavior, both in the parents and the kids. This is a learning environment. This is an academy. This is not a, a, a playground. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so the 45 minute class times with no buffer time, don't you guys get burnt out with that? Um, no. It, so it is tiring, but there's two of us. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we do two days on two days off. One of us will be the primary coach for two days and the other one. And it's not too many classes. I mean, uh, Mondays and Wednesdays, we have four kids classes, uh, sorry, three, four. Four, yeah, four kids classes. And then, yeah, and then Tuesdays and Thursdays is three kids classes. So, so, so what is that? That's, uh, what do you start at? Like 4.30? 4.15. to 5. Which is, then... by the way, we, from experimentation, 4.15 seems to be the earliest time slot that people can make after school. After school. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And the, we, we open the doors at four o'clock because we used to have an issue where parents would drop their kids off like 30 minutes early. And mm -hmm. so we would just, we'd be still like cleaning and trying to get things ready. So we have a rule in our member handbook that we give to everyone doors open 15 minutes before the first class of the day. Interesting. So you're not there babysitting someone for half right. an hour before class. Yeah. Yep. So you got four fifteen to five, five to five forty-five, and then five forty-five to six thirty. If all the classes were to be 45 minutes, that would be the case, but we always have the three and four year olds first. So it would actually be, uh, 415 to 445 oh. and then 445 to 530 530 to 615 615 to 7 oh 615 to 7 and that's the oldest kids the 11 to 14 so yeah year olds. on on Mondays and Wednesdays that time slot is our 11 to 14 year olds mm. um, but on Tuesdays and Thursdays that time slot is our one-on-one -on -one adult class and you said one-on-one -on -one adult class uh 101 101 so fundamentals yep yes Interesting. That that's really fascinating. That four fifteen is the earliest you guys get them to come in. Seems and, like and, for me, it's like and five. only that young uh, age group. That's why we have the three and four year olds going first. Uh, okay, because you notice over the years, that's the people that could come to the early class. Yes. Do you know why that is? They're in daycare. They're... Yeah, they're 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 not even in school yet. They're in daycares or preschools or stuff stuff like that. Interesting. Okay. The, the older kids, you know, they're still in school. Mm -hmm. They can't really get ready to get there be before five. Yes. 
Interesting. That that's really cool. Um, what else did I want to ask? We went over Chris. We went over the quarters. We went over growth. That was a damn. That was a damn informative podcast, guys. I had a blast. <laughs> yeah, same man. Happy we do it. Could we do this again sometime? Sorry, what was that? Could we do this again sometime? We of would course. love to. It would be an yeah. honor. What, what are your guys' thoughts on writing like some type, you know, how Chris has her thing, writing some type of manual or like a book? You know what? I mean, that's not out of the realm of possibility. We can, okay. we can, as you can tell, we can talk for a while on this stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I have uh, 15,000 listeners on this podcast. So, oh, wow, that's awesome. Thanks. Based off of the feedback, you know, I'll let you know. Well, we hope that it's been uh, enlightening for other people too. Yeah. And if people have like specific questions, um, specific examples and things that they need to ask, you know, we're happy to help. Or even tips for us. Like that's one of the main things that I I feel like has been one of our strengths is we have basically zero pride. Yeah. And what I mean is we don't ever think that our way is the best way. We are always looking to improve. We're always trying to research and find out what's next. Oh, man. The latest and greatest of everything. Yeah. We've changed the format of our classes, Mike. Like, a dozen times probably really throughout the seven years of doing this you know this is just the most recent iteration and the one that we feel is the most effective but oh my gosh we find that getting stuck in your ways is just is just a formula for disaster uh, especially with kids yeah interesting so if anyone does have any questions for you guys where can they find you we are on all social media platforms under spectrum Mm -hmm. jiu-jitsu we have uh, instagram we have a tiktok we have facebook and youtube Awesome. So there you go. There you go, guys. You heard it. Spectrum Jiu-Jitsu. If you ever want to visit them, West Virginia. I've been there. taught a seminar there. It was awesome. And I really look forward to visiting you guys again. Thank you for that wealth of knowledge tonight, guys. I'm definitely going to implement pretty much everything you guys said. <laughs> and I'll report back to you guys in like a few months. Dude, that's, if that's... you ever want more details, let us know. Yeah, man. That's awesome, Mike. We really appreciate you having us on. Thank you so much for coming on, man. See you guys soon. All right, brother. Thank you, Mike. Take care. What's up, guys? This podcast is now sponsored by ExpressVPN. Sending data over an unencrypted internet connection is like sending a postcard. Your message is wide open for the mailman and any of those other nosy people to see. Whether you're connected to an unencrypted internet network on your phone, computer, tablet, TV, etc., you're sending countless pieces of information into the digital world that can be seen and intercepted by many different parties before they get their intended destinations. Guys, go to expressvpn.com slash R-A-K for three months and a discount if you use my code. I will leave the link in the description. But a VPN or virtual private network creates a secure tunnel between your device and the internet. In other words, it puts an envelope around your postcard so no one could sneak a peek at your private correspondence. ExpressVPN protects you from hackers who try to steal your private information. Every time you connect to an unencrypted Wi-Fi network at airport, hotels, coffee shops, or even at home, you're at risk. A hacker connected to the same unencrypted Wi-Fi network can steal your personal info. With only basic computer knowledge, a hacker could even gain access to your passwords, financial details, or even your emails. ExpressVPN encrypts your internet connection using the highest standard of encryption currently available. If you'd like to take a hacker with a supercomputer billions of years to crack.
guys, I will not name what countries I've been to because I don't want to get killed, but I've been to some countries where Instagram, Facebook, social media is completely blocked by a firewall. And the only way you could view those things is a VPN. And thank God I had ExpressVPN on my visits and it made everything easy. I like to use DraftKings, which is a sports betting app. And if I'm not in New Jersey, it says, oops, not in New Jersey, you can't bet. But guess what? ExpressVPN, baby. I say, guess what, guys? I am in New Jersey and I put my bets in. Another thing I like to do with ExpressVPN, let's say you're watching a YouTube video and it says not available in your country or song not available in your country. Guess what? I'm going to make my VPN in whatever country I got to be to listen. If you're trying to get married to someone rich overseas, um, put your VPN in New York City, even though you live in Timbuktu, get matched with someone, uh, fall in love and move over there. All right. Your internet service provider can see everything you do. Us ISPs can legally sell your data to ad companies. UK and Australian ICPs are required to keep logs of websites you visit. The apps you use in the private conversations you have for one to two years. Governments, large corporations, websites constantly survey you and harvest your data for their own agendas. ExpressVPN puts a stop to that by encrypting all your data and hiding your location. Hey guys, ever um, have a conversation with your friends about something and the next thing you know, you're getting an ad? Yep, that's right. When you let your microphone, um, give your microphone access to whatever app you're on, they could listen to whatever you're saying. You want to stop that? ExpressVPN, baby. ExpressVPN gives you unrestricted um, access to all parts of the internet. Many websites or apps are blocked or or restricted depending on where you are in the world. Certain countries even censor the internet and don't let you access websites freely. Think of a YouTube video you weren't able to watch, a website you couldn't visit, or a sports match you were unable to stream. What about stuff that's cheaper in other countries like Spotify subscriptions, flight tickets, online games? ExpressVPN allows you to reroute your connection to a server in a country of your choice, making geo restrictions a thing of the past. All right, guys, uh, I hope you end up using uh, ExpressVPN. They're sponsoring the podcast. I'm going to put a link in the description. If you don't want to look at the link, it's expressvpn.com slash R-A-K. That is expressvpn.com slash R-A-K. Hope you guys use it. Hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day. Well, there you have it, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I learned a shit ton. Uh, I honestly think they should write a book and uh, with all the ideas and people could use them. Um, they're super successful. Um, whenever you see a gym that's super successful in one area, you have to look at them and learn from them. And I learned a shit ton tonight. I can't wait to implement what they taught me. And I hope you guys learned a lot too. But before you leave, Give me a follow on Instagram at K-O-O-L-R-A-K, at Immortals Jiu-Jitsu, okay, at Rambling with Rack. Please go on Google and give my gym five stars, Immortals Jiu-Jitsu in Clifton, New Jersey, all right? Hope you guys have a wonderful night, and I will see you guys next time. Mm-hmm.